0: Hi, this is Jim, and this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs.
1: Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband,
0: and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly,
1: I do think it'll come down to the wire. I do think it will be 21 to 20, and I think it just might end on a Cody Parkey missed field goal. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show. This is episode 66, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K I S T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mister Eight Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K. Ben, how you doing, brother?
0: Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. Thank God. I would like to open the podcast by saying, it's annoying that we missed the Lane Johnson podcast because that should have been the easiest one for me. <laughs> uh, 65 would have been a real real softball over the plate. <laughs> Bill Berge was a uh, offensive lineman for the Eagles who wore number 66. Happy, happy Bill Berge pod. Mike, this was fun all 22 to go through number one because it's so early. Yeah. It's much earlier than we usually get it. And number two, I don't know how you felt, but man, I thought they took it up a notch just for the do-or-die game starting with, like, Dallas. I thought even then, like, you know, the intensity was higher. The intensity was so high for this game out of Philadelphia. They were playing like a six-seed, zero Super Bowl champion, fought their way in, scrappy team. They really, you know, it's tougher to buy into the underdog narrative for the second year, but honestly, they play like underdogs. Like, they play like a team that's got a scrap for every inch, and I honestly, I love it so much.
1: Even when the execution isn't there, the effort has definitely not been lacking. And Scrappy was the word that I was thinking of as you were talking there. I'm glad you said that because, yeah. Absolutely. Written all over the film. It was, it was,
0: <laughs> it was a gutty performance. It was a gutsy performance. That's what it was. <laughs> it was. It was, it was a very like hard-nosed blue-collar win over the Bears in a hard-fought game. Bears played they're out of their minds. I, I need to redact a statement. I said Akeem Hicks was the best player for either team outside of the football yesterday. Roquan Smith played Yo. one of the best games I've ever seen. A rookie anything play, period. Oh my gosh. Dude, is all over the field. He's yeah. unbelievable. He, the coverage. He's covering Golden. Takedown field. He's covering Zach Ertz down the field. Wendell Smallwood interception against the run. He's reading through blocks. He's combo keying triangle reads. He's a nightmare. Dude's a stud.
1: So let's set this up because I definitely want to talk about Roquan Smith covering Golden Tate down the field on a leak concept, being behind and covering from the opposite hash all the way outside of the numbers. I definitely want to talk about this, but let's set this up because, yeah, Roquan Smith had a beautiful game. So if you're a new listener here on Bleeding Green Nation, what we do every week before we move on to the next game, which is going to be the Eagles against the Saints in the divisional round, is we take a look back. After having reviewed the film, we do a coach's film review show. This is that. This is the review show for the Philadelphia Eagles getting by 16-15 over the Chicago Bears. So we're going to break this film down. Ben, the first thing that I want to talk about here, I thought the early scripting was solid from the Eagles. I especially liked Mm -hmm. the second play of the game where they brought Golden Tate on jet motion to the left. They clear things out with Jeffrey running the over route from right to left. And then they fit that screen to Smallwood in space. You get your athletic lineman out in space. Jason Kelsey picks up a pancake. He played well. Solid gain to 22. They get Alshon Jeffrey backside later on third and eight on an easy read. So trips left. On the right, you have a high-low read for Foles, which they had for a lot of this game with a lot of different players. We talked about it on the reaction show. But you get Jeffrey and Sproles to the right. Foles just has to confirm the linebacker to that side. And if that linebacker is going to stay shallow with Sproles, Alshon has the dig past the six with off coverage against Kyle Fuller. Even without the separation that Jeffrey gets on that play, he runs a clean route. But you're talking 5'11", 190 pounds, trying to match up against 6'3", 218 pounds while being boxed out. It's just not going to happen for Fuller in that situation.
0: And you know what they did? They went to a similar style of concept on the third and 10 conversion to Aguilar on the, the first drive that they got once the Bears had taken the lead late. And they picked up 13 yards. And what it is... Uh, it's, I've, uh, the, you've got three receivers to one side, the isolated receiver to the other side, and the, the innermost receiver to the 3 wide receiver side and that outside receiver are both kind of playing off of whatever middle of the field leverage is going to be had by the safety. So in this instance, uh, the safety to the, the one receiver side drops down. He comes into the middle of the field, and he opens up towards the three-receiver side. So he can't get back to the one receiver side because his hips are open to the three side. So you throw to the one receiver side. If he had opened the other direction... Well, then you you, you assume that, at least me reading this play, that innermost wide receiver is going to then option cut to the inside and he's going to be the one that's open. And that's similar to what happened on the Aguilar play. So I think those two receivers, the isolated backside and then the innermost slot, the number three option, both have the ability to cut in and cut out based off what that middle of the field safety does and whether or not they're closed or open to the middle of the field. And yeah. then it, what this does, and we've talked about this before, it lets Nick Foles read one player. Foles is just reading... The, the the drop and the angle of that middle-of-the-field safety. Right. And wherever he goes, Foles, put, Foles puts the ball in the other spot. And this offense, you know, we uh, we talked about this before, but just to, like make it very clear. They run a simpler offense with Nick Foles than they do with Carson Wentz. They ask their other players to do more with Nick Foles at quarterback than with Carson Wentz. The offense has more basic reads. The ball gets out of Nick Foles' hands quicker. We understand that. But the other thing that it does is it can work your team into really advantageous situations when everybody's gelling and everybody is making the correct reads. You're constantly getting these one-on-one matchups. I have Philadelphia threw more one-on-one man coverage routes than I've seen them throw in like weeks. And it was simply because the play designs, in my opinion, were sublime. They were stellar. And this is a good example as to that.
1: So let's keep it with that opening drive for this, because there's two points I want to hit on. I know there's something that you want to talk about, and this is all contained under that umbrella. On second down, where you get six yards for Ertz versus Roquan in a matchup. They go empty there, and we're going to talk about that. And Ben, this drive ends with a sack, which forces a field goal. But this is why I want to talk about this third down play after that, real quick, before we move on to the empty conversation. It is trips right. It's double China seven. You know, I love this route combination, mm-hmm. right? So you get the two outside guys in trips. They run short in-breaking routes. And the number three, so the guy in trips closest to the right tackle, Nelson Aguilar, is going to run a corner route. This is about the throw that you don't make because the Bears have everything clamped up on this. This is a covered sack with pressure from Mac that Foles feels... And eventually Leonard Floyd comes around for the sack. But I'll say this, other than maybe throwing it away, which would have been hard for Foles to step into to his right with Mack and Lane coming right towards him, Mm -hmm. I'll take a sack here all day because there is no throw for him to make, which as we saw in the one interception in the second quarter that was intended for Aguilar, which we should talk about too later, if you make that throw when none is there, it's really going to cost you. I thought Foles early in the game read the field really well out of the gate in the opening drive, took what was there, didn't try to take what wasn't there. And it was really encouraging to see that from Foles early, that the Eagles could dial up desirable looks and execute against this Bears defense. They also, and we can talk about this now, went empty on that drive with 11 personnel and did it several more times throughout the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. Ben, do you want to talk about what that does for the Eagles pre-snap?
0: Right. Two things that we, and and I really feel like we've been tooting our own horn a lot, but I feel like we did (laughs) a great job last week, buddy. I really do. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like, look at us. But man- Two things we talked about the Eagles doing more of recently that they did again in the Bears game with success. One was going into empty looks out of 12 personnel and, and you know, 0-2 personnel. And there was a lot of 11 personnel going into empty with Darren Sproles lining up as a wide receiver. And the other thing was using unbalanced formations, 4-by-1 sets, four eligible receivers to one side of the football and only one to the other side. Those two things both cause relatively bad, not basic check keys, but there's only so much you can do against empty. Like, if you try to run cover zero against empty, you're going to die. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, like, you you can't have five good enough athletes, right? And even, like, I would say, like, cover one man is very bold, and it's not something the Bears are going to do under Vic Fangio. You you don't have enough good athletes to cover five routes in space in pure man-on-man coverage, especially if, like, Darren Sproles is out there and you're asking a linebacker to track him. So you're so much more often going to get zone and zone checks against empty personnel. And by using running backs and tight ends, 11 instead of, like, you know, five wide receiver, or four wide receiver, one tight end sets, you ensure that a linebacker and, or an extra safety stays on the field, and that gives you the matchups that you're looking for. Unbalanced formations do something very similar in terms of, If a team wants to play zone, then unless they really have a nice, good match zone that they like against unbalanced sets, which I don't think most teams do, and I might be wrong with that, so don't quote me, unless they have a really good match zone that they like, you're pretty much 100% of the time going to get man coverage on the isolated number one wide receiver side, Mm. because... Otherwise, you're dedicating one and, like, a half player or, like, two players in a zone coverage to just one guy. And then you've got five, six guys over four guys playing zone, which is not the numbers advantage that you want. That's a lot. So two times it sticks out to me that they ran those unbalanced sets. And both times it was Alshon Jeffrey backside. And it was Alshon Jeffrey throws. One time it was a deep comeback. And the other time it was a go route, which was almost a catch. It was a good player over the top by Prince and Mookumara. Mm. And, and and the Bears know this is coming. They were trying to shade the safety over there and have him cheat a little bit. But there's only so much you can do because that dude's also got to be worried about crossers. Like he, <laughs> there's four receivers to the other side, man. You got to respect that. And so, what those things are going to do is they're going to force certain coverages, predictable coverages from your defense. And the last thing you want your defense to be is predictable because then the quarterback has to do very little work post-snap to know where he's going to go with the football. And that's exactly what Philadelphia does so well. Number one thing they do well is make the post-snap game very easy for Nick Foles. Perfect example, Mike, is the third and nine conversion. Alshon Jeffrey uh, to pick up first down. And eventually, first down from the two, and eventually score the touchdown. Third and nine, Philadelphia comes out in a full house look, which.
1: Oh, yeah. A that full would... house
0: look is two tight ends into the line of scrimmage. The quarterback in pistol with two backs to either side, one to his left, one to his right, and then a back behind him.
1: It's like a diamond. It looks like a diamond. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And this is what you call (laughs) up-around formation. This is just like, hey, (laughs) screw you. Like, you know when the Rams came out with Khalil Mack, it's like, hey, screw you. Like, you don't know what to do here. This is wild, right? Yeah. Which, side note, on their two-point conversion— the Bears put Khalil Mackin as an eligible receiver and then motioned him outside. On our two-point conversion, we ran a fake Philly special. Yeah. How could you not want to play for these two coaches? I uh, know. Like, so the fun. Bears didn't get their two-point conversion. And, like, now he's laughing on the side. It's his first playoff game, and they needed that two-point conversion. It would have yeah. made the difference in the game. Like, <laughs> um, and, and, and they come laughing off the field because, like, he put Khalil Mackin. Like, why the heck not? Like, it's yeah. so much fun to play for these guys. But anyway, these are screw-with-you formations. You're not really ready for them as a defense. Uh Alston Jeffrey ends up motioning back outside, and now you've got three receivers into the boundary. That's, again, formation into the boundary, something we've talked about before. Philadelphia loading up players into the narrow side of the field. They get a basic quarters look. Dan Rolovsky broke this down, uh, which was uh, on on the get-up, the ESPN show, which is great. They get a basic quarters look, and all Foles has to do is read the underneath defender of the quarters look, pretty much. So the curl flat defender is going to end up being, uh, I think it's Danny Trevathan. If he gets connected uh underneath the slant that Alshon Jeffery runs from the outside. Right. You throw it to the flat to Darren Sproles. And right. remember, it's four down territory, and you're going to get at least six yards with Sproles on that little swing route. And if Trevathan gets connected to the flat, which is his primary responsibility, it makes sense, Alshon opens up with the slant route pretty easily. You know, Alshon's a big body. Even if the, the corner of the safety closes down, you trust Alshon to make that catch. You just, by coming out in a weird formation at a critical time, understanding how the bears like to play red zone defense, you allow Nick Foles to make one decision and throw. Yeah. It makes life so much easier on your backup quarterback. And Hey, first and two of the two, like it's, it's as simple as that. It's, it's, not only taking what the defense gives you, but forcing the defense to give you something good first and yeah. then taking it, you know, it, taking candy from a baby. Well, make sure the defense is a baby before you start trying to take stuff from them. Pre-snap manipulation, which is something we've been talking about for weeks, has never been modeled any better than in this Bears game. Eagles did a tremendous job with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you get Sproles used as a wide receiver a lot more than we have seen from him. It gives you a good idea. That linebacker comes out there. You know, you got man coverage. You get a cornerback. It's a good chance at zone. Uh, the other thing I like about that play with the diamond formation, that 39 conversion, it's also a pretty simple high-low read on the other side, too, because you got the flat seven with Aguilar coming out of the backfield. You know Zach Hertz is going to get attention coming yeah. coming out of there in the red zone on third down.
0: If they somehow get to a single high check... Yeah. Then you've got flat seven to the field, Mike. Correct. To the field. You have a year and a half to throw that. There's this much room. <laughs> right? And so, yeah, you build in, and, and we talk about this all the time. Philadelphia divides their concepts middle of the field open to the one half of the field, middle of the field close to the other half of the field. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's going to go. My last point I've interrupted you like four times. But we're 10 minutes into the podcast. So I feel really bad. <laughs> you said using Darren Sproles as a wide receiver. Did you see what they did with Sproles in terms of constantly lining him up to the outside? Yep. Yeah. And then suddenly. It is a uh, third quarter, three thirteen left. If you're following a long term in your books, they come out an empty. Yep. Uh, Eleven personnel stack. Darren Sproles is the outermost wide receiver, and he he motions into a stack. But he and here's the thing: Sproles have been the outermost receiver at least three times to this point. He has run a one step curl route. Uh, it's it's just it's literally you just stand there, right? Yeah. It's 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 like the Baylor offense where they're running slot choice. The outside receiver just stands there. He just stands there. He's not an active threat. They motion him in, quick snap right off the motion, and they throw him a little screen. And the Bears off defense isn't really caught sleeping, but they haven't fed Sproles out of this formation the whole game long. They've been going to the three receiver side. They've been going to the interior off of this. They run a quick screen. They get three offensive linemen out there. It's a ten yard gain, yeah. easiest ten yard gain you could possibly ask for. So this this. Sequencing of plays and looks is what creates ten yards. When Philadelphia had suddenly found themselves uh, up ten six, it was the first time they got the ball back up ten six, and they're looking to 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 make this a two score game. They go for a free ten yards for Darren Sproles. They get to near midfield. Like you know, this is a a fantastic process in terms of play calling and sequencing.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned they weren't sleeping, but Danny Trevathan, who was out there in coverage, is just he just hesitates for a tick, and that makes. All of the difference in that play allows Lane Johnson to get over, get the block.
0: Right. And, and the other thing is Alshon ends up blocking Khalil Mack, who's in coverage over Alshon. And the Bears <laughs> right. did this coming yeah. before the game. And, and, and the Eagles knew they would do this, where they will flex out their linebackers, their edges, 3-4 kind of a scheme, over the slot receivers. They had Leonard Floyd out over the number two receiver in three receiver sets. They're going yep. bananas, right? And they'll very frequently bring those guys on blitzes. They caught Philadelphia doing so a couple of times. It's a very clear tendency if they had caught Mack in a blitz on this one and been able to get the ball around him which obviously is the condition there but if they would caught him in on a rush you have a highway yeah. for Darren Sproles so they probably didn't even get the best look they wanted off of this idea because Mack stayed in coverage if they and they still picked up 10 yards
1: and what's interesting about that too is I recall a play where the Eagles had trips and they come with that nickel blitz with McManus the nickel corner and you can tell that it was an RPO because Tate takes a couple of steps up the field and realized that McManus is coming and he turns around like, yo, 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 I'm open. And you know, he doesn't get the ball, the ball gets handed off or whatever. But that's something that the Eagles were looking for. I believe that happened earlier in the game. So they were hoping they were going to get the same thing here. And you make a great point there with the overhang defenders and guys covering the number two in trips or Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack. They did a ton of stuff like that. They brought in three defensive linemen with one edge rusher, kick the other edge rusher out. You know, we, we knew there were going to be Rushes that were different, exotic, coming from different places. So the Bears did do a good job of that. Ben, one thing I want to go to here, we have to talk about Nick Foles a little bit. Foles had two throws that were absolute feathers. One because of pressure, one because it was where it needed to be. It's funny because I saw some people speculating if the ribs were affecting Foles because of these two passes. And after the game, they yeah, asked, "We were uh, hit up with that, yeah?" Yeah, on Monday they asked Doug, like, "Hey, did you have you check on Foles?" And he was like, "Foles." Nah, he's fine. So Foles is fine. His ribs are fine. But the first play of the second quarter, the Yankee concept with the deep post combined with the deep over route from Alshon Jeffrey, Foles gets Mm -hmm. just enough on this thing to get it to a wide open Alshon. And I want to get to the other one because it's incredible from the end zone angle. It looks so weird. But the end end zone angle on this one, you see Dallas Goddard, who was amazing in this game. Not only as a receiver, but as a blocker as well. But you see Goddard coming across the formation to pick up Trevathan, who is coming on a blitz.
0: I didn't even get this into my compilation because it's not <laughs> a running play. I only did running plays. This is such a good play.
1: Yeah, he's coming across the formation. Trevathan kind of gets behind the the defensive lineman and comes the other way. So Goddard's got to recover. And he is just able to get a piece To keep Foles relatively clean, clean enough, because if he doesn't, I'm not sure, number one, that Foles gets this off. Number two, I'm not sure he doesn't take a kill shot to the ribs on this one if Goddard just doesn't get a piece, which would have been huge in this game. Right. But props to Foles for being able to get this in and get it out and get it to to off-platform, get it to Jeffrey when things aren't clean for a 30-yard game.
0: I got... Uh, hit up by this play uh, by our, uh, our friend of the podcast, Eagles Troll the World, who's a moderator on the Eagles subreddit. We've done an AMA for him before. It was a great time. Where um, there's a theory given a camera angle that Nick Foles technically threw this no look like Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> right? And if you watch it from the end zone angle, I agree that Nick Foles isn't necessarily looking at where he's throwing the football. I 100% agree with you. However, I don't think this is so much no look as it is like oh snap, (laughs) I got to throw this thing. I'm going to put it way out into this really empty space yeah, and ask Alshon to go run underneath this thing. This is like when you're playing quarterback in backyard football and you're like, I don't really know how to throw the football. I don't know what I'm doing. So (laughs) I'm just going to throw this really far and really high and ask somebody to go run under it, right? He's like, Alshon's going to end up here eventually. So I'm going to put it over there.
1: You know who it looked like? It looked like Phillip Rivers in a way. That off-platform, throw that three-quarters release.
0: <laughs> not a compliment, by the way. Rivers <laughs> <Phillip laughs> is a great quarterback. We should make that clear. This, when Philip does that, it's heart attacks for everybody who loves him.
1: So the other one I want to get to, turn your books, gentle listeners, if you're following along at home, to second quarter, six minutes, 40 seconds, third and six. Ben, just get to the end zone angle on this one. Don't worry about the all-22. Get to the end zone angle. Does this feather have eyes or what? Watch this thing in the air. Watch this. Thing. I'm letting I'm letting Ben watch this cuz this no, is so No, I agree. The
0: thing Here's what's annoying. Number 1, he burps the baby and he's yeah. late to the ball. Yeah. Number 2, it curves, right? Yeah. Like I'm not just seeing that. Ben I swear eyes. to goodness, this thing was incomplete and the air picked up. I have no idea. I can't explain. This is this is perfect foals. This is such bad process. Like somebody's head should have gotten taken off. Or it should have been picked off and gone the other way.
1: The hand of Trayvon Hester gets this one in midair. Because that thing curves. And it just drops in, like, the perfect spot. And Tate knows he's going to take a shot on this. And for him to be able to just reach out, really extend himself, and he's got a guy... Hitting him right in the midsection,
0: all, right. all of his force. I'm making a video of this so I can put it on the timeline and get retweets.
1: Check my timeline; it's but, already um, up there.
0: I, a personal story. Yeah. My my father obviously we used to play a ton of backyard football, you know, together. It was a great time. And my father always used to have a joke that as a kid I hated. I was always like, no, 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 no. And the joke was like, if he ever threw us a good throw, he would go, "Football's this big," and he would put his hands up with a certain size. And then he would say, I only need this much space. He would bring his hands together. And I'd be like, no, that, that can't work. The football has to be the size, right? This is a throw where Foles, football was this big and Foles had this much space. He had like one third of the space. Like I have no idea how this ball arrived. Yeah, I can't explain this throw. It's again, it's such bad process. Golden Tate's head should still be rolling through the streets right. of Chicago. And, and, and I it's get a it catch.
1: Because – Khalil Mack is coming on a stun and he's coming fast and Foles can't follow through on this thing, but there's nothing about this throwing motion that tells you like his feet end up parallel. It's it's everything is just wrong about it. And it just
0: gets It's another there. situation where, like Dallas Goddard, this this uh Isaac Samuel, the left guard picking up the twist here, gets just enough of a rusher coming by to push him beyond the peak of the pocket. Pass protection isn't always pretty. That's why pressure stats and QB hit stats can sometimes lie to you. This is quality pass protection here from Sam Molo. Late to the recognition, but great recovery and good explosive athleticism to be able to make this block. Sam Molo, I thought, struggled. Uh, He didn't have a fantastic game. He's not as quick as he was coming out of Oregon State or in his first year. He's definitely massed up and lost some of his explosiveness. Uh Had some mistakes. There was a, an early run where he was in the complete wrong spot, and Jason Kelly simply tore into him. Oh, um, yeah. But generally, this is one of his better plays.
1: Yeah, I agree. Sumal did struggle. There were some bright spots for him, too. It was a tough matchup for him, too. And we can kind of talk about that. But Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, you already mentioned Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. Front
0: thought, seven's good.
1: Man, that front seven is so good. And Ben, I mean, let's talk about – we, this we can kind of put it under this umbrella. How about Smallwood nearly getting two safeties charged to him in the first quarter – Uh, In the same drive, no less, when they were backed up at the one-yard line, in part because Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack, Bilal Nichols, who – and Nichols was in for some rotational duty, and when they went to a 52 look with five down defensive linemen, three interior defensive linemen, which they did a lot, all those guys, man – by the way, there's this weird narrative out there that Khalil Mack had a bad game.
0: Well, I mean, it's not it's not surprising. He had a poor statistical game. Yeah. The Eagles played him very well. But no, I agree with you. Mack was impactful.
1: Yeah, he was disruptive. The whole defensive line was disrupted. And even Eagles offensive line did a decent job. The linebackers were so fast to flow. Man, can they get downhill in a hurry and just a pain in the butt to run against 1.63 yards per carry then against 11 personnel because the Eagles ran 11 a lot this game they had a 50% stuff rate that means half of the runs out of 11 personnel went for zero or negative yard gains that is
0: bonkers that might be good (laughs) that might i'm not sure i'm getting it from the booth i'm getting that is good that is very good
1: do you want to switch it over to the uh to the bears offense talk a little mr Trubisky.
0: my last note that i'd like to have go clean back had an impactful game we alluded Mm. to this earlier dallas goddard Mm. had a stellar game Mm. and the eagles uh, uh, mike i don't know if you have your personnel stats available i don't have them on me right now mike did the charting i've got them right here Uh, 11 personnel was 63% of the time. 12 personnel was 35% of the time per Mike's charting. My numbers that I do for the the week-by-week changes come from Sharp Football Stats. I'm going to wait for his numbers just to keep consistency. But clearly 12 personnel took a dive. 11 personnel took a massive jump as compared to what we usually see. Uh, 43% success rate for 11 and 32% of success rate out of 12. 11 more successful for 12 for the first time in like five or six weeks. Yeah, That's not to take anything away from the fact that Dallas Goddard, as a run blocker in eleven and in twelve personnel, brought a degree of physicality, effort, and 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 agility, balance, uh, body control, flexibility that number one Zach Ertz doesn't dream of matching. Okay, like Ertz <laughs> right. tries, but he's simply he's Ertz is wide receiver. We talked about this. Dallas Goddard provides for you a sixth offensive lineman in terms of his ability to seal off an edge generate an angle climbing to the second level generate displacement my man tried to finish Khalil Mack on a play Khalil Mack on his way to the ground also threw Dallas Goddard onto the pile which yeah you're Khalil Mack I get it like this rookie (laughs) literally like it was away from the play too like Goddard's like getting like feisty with him and Mack was like sit down young blood but (laughs) that dimension is number one what has been able to keep Dallas Goddard on the field since the Colts game. I, if you remember the, the Colts game way back when, we were like, hey, Yo. what's up with the 23-year-old over here yeah. throwing blocks around in a grown man's game? And since Blocking then...
1: Blocking up to sheared and it had, just had a He's increased highlight his reel.
0: routes run. He's yeah. increased his targets... But this is what got him on the field early. It's what's giving him that playing time. And as he further develops as a passing option, develops rapport with his two quarterbacks. Uh And 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 he has some sloppiness to his routes right now. He has some mistakes reading zone leverage and his yep. option routes. They exist. As you clear those up, mm, listen to me. There is a, uh, it'll be tough to compare Ertz and Goddard at the peak of their careers. Because they're two very different styles of tight ends. But in terms of how much he impacts the game, he can absolutely have an ertz like impact on this offense. Tremendous game in the dirty work, in the trenches, in the stuff that most won't recognize for Dallas Goddard. He had three fantastic blocks on Khalil Mack, who is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Mm. He is a rookie. Every arrow is pointing out for Dallas Goddard. Very exciting stuff.
1: And Ben, I have a take.
0: You're supposed to do the slam before, not after, but it's fine.
1: I have a take, Ben. There it is. Dallas Goddard Looks faster in black socks. I don't know what it is. And we right. talked about this before the show. And I, I tweeted this out too. But I mean, I went back and looked at his athletic testing 20 yard shuttle, 97th percentile, three cone, 91st percentile, a bench press was 72nd percentile. His arm length is 34 inches, 80th percentile. I mean, vertical jump, 73 broad jump, 85th percentile. That is fantastic testing,
0: dude. Young man. Yo, can scoot. Yes, he absolutely can, can. boogie young man's got some wiggle
1: so and uh someone commented uh i'll, I'll shout this out loyal listener jade at out of here 22 said i think the socks give him superhero blocking powers so pumped for his future thank you for chiming in jade let's flip it to the bears offensive side of the ball we haven't talked about what's what's his name again what's the quarterback's name again
0: mitchell trubisky still
1: is it you haven't changed it to... What was What was that? What was... Ticho Mubrisky. There it is. There it is.
0: Again, the rule is this. Yeah. If I think a quarterback is bad, I mess with his name to make it sound funnier. <laughs> I.e. Bork Battles.
1: <laughs> so, you know that the Bears gave trubisky a lot of the high low read stuff like they did with Foles on the back side you know that we saw saw with the eagles and we talked about it before in the lead up how the offenses at least formationally would look very similar they use a lot of trips with cohen and robinson on two-man route combinations going to see the same thing from the saints but for the most part i thought trubisky read them decently with some very notable exceptions his placement was in another story entirely for instance speaking to both aspects here there was one where he didn't take the downfield shot on a corner route, but they came back to it later on. Are
0: are you talking to the uh, the the one where Avante Maddox nearly picked it off on the side?
1: No, that one. That one, I thought he he missed one down the seam on that one. I thought it, I think it was. That's shaking. what I thought.
0: What were you talking about? We'll get to that one.
1: Yeah, there there was like a – not necessarily a flat seven look because it was an option route going on there for Cohen, but the, Robinson was on the sideline for one. I don't have a timestamp on this one, but they came back to it later, and you know, and there was one where he threw Robinson out of bounds with the placement. So the placement was definitely lacking for him this game, and you look at the coverage that the Eagles had for the better part of the day. They did a good job of taking care of their responsibilities, and the Bears really had to work to plant seeds And set up things for later, which started to hit later on in the game. I thought Nagy did a great job with that. Like the sluggo, like the out and up that we talked about in the reaction show where they took advantage of Maddox's youthful exuberance and aggressiveness. But again, all in all, Bears really wanted to attack the seams. They did so successfully a couple of times. All in all, you know, I'll add that Trubisky missed that one down the seam. That was the one that Maddox closed down. I thought that was a really dangerous throw and a bad job by Trubisky compounding his mistakes and possibly making an even bigger mistake trying to keep that play alive instead of just throwing it away after Fletcher Cox had flushed him out the pocket. But Look, as much crap as I'll give to Trey Sullivan for dropping that easy interception in the end zone, he wasn't really exposed as a liability. I don't know how much that has to do with Trubisky missing some things. I
0: think that has a lot to do with <laughs> Trubisky missing stuff. I was like, I like, I appreciate you giving love to Trey. Right. Uh, but I uh, <laughs> man, I don't know. A lot of his reps when he was single high, I was like, hey, man, there's a route coming yeah. to you. Get ready.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. So do you want to kind of talk about what you saw from Trubisky, maybe maybe the secretary as well?
0: No. So you, I think number one, and this is a correctness and omissions for me, I said that Schwartz. This might have been actually in my Winners-Losers post. I don't remember. I said that Schwartz did a good job of getting Rasul Douglas up to the line of scrimmage. I lied. Rasul uh, spent a ton of time in off coverage. And I think the Bears wanted to get him there. Like they were trying to, like Philadelphia's move to trips, like their, their response to trips was to bring, uh, uh get tight over the number two with LeBlanc with their slot corner and then be off, off of one and off of three. And they typically just went to pure cover three off of that. That's why LeBlanc was up on two. So we had an angle to get to the flat and Rasul was great in off. Zone coverage coverage, like he usually is, and an off-man coverage getting connected immediately, being able to stick through routes. Now, he did not have the typical Allen Robinson matchup that Maddox did. And it was very clear the Bears just wanted to feed 12 against 29. Like, that was very clearly the process. They knew they, that was the matchup that they wanted. But Sewell had to deal with Taylor Gabriel on the outside. He had to deal with Anthony Miller on the outside. It's not slouches. And he did a fine job.
1: Can I give you a note on that? If we can go to the second quarter at 238. It is first and 10. And here's what the Bears are looking at. In R4 language, R4 is a system that tells offense is different. You you know what I'm talking about. So we're going to talk about this. There is areas of the field that the offense and the R4 system looks at, right? Now, the Bears see that Rasul Douglas is seven to eight yards off the ball. This is what the R4 system refers to as hard deck. And if you have no other player in that outside zone area outside of the box – that's where you can make your adjustments to now screens, quick screens, bubble screens. You can do smoke routes. You can do all of that stuff because that player is so far off. So that was something that the Bears had installed. They said if you get Rasul Douglas in the hard deck area and the outside zone is voided, there's no one else there, we can throw now to Taylor Gabriel. But watch what Sewell does. Watch, come, he comes downhill. He keeps his outside leverage because he knows he's got support coming, and man, is he a strong tackler. I thought he had another great day coming downhill as a tackler, and a good and a very good day in coverage too.
0: Bad out of hell. Yeah. is Rasul Douglas. So when Rasul's like, all right, I'm coming up to make a tackle, dude comes with, with incredible speed, incredible ferocity. Another thing that I really love to see in regards to Sewell and his tackling ability, Sewell's over Taylor Gabriel. This is a, a play early when the Bears, uh, they're driving the third quarter. Taylor Gabriel's flexed outside. They give... The Eagles, a little motion orbit look. Gabriel, uh, you know, a little play action. There's a back coming this way. Line's going that way. And it ends up being a reverse to Gabriel. Sewell is calling it out. He has to maintain his front side. Gabriel's moving away from him. He has to maintain his front side stuff. But he's calling it out. And he sees it develop. And he starts coming in backside pursuit. Uh, this Fletch Cox and Chris Long get tripped up. Uh, Corey Graham goes to set an edge. Actually does a good job setting an edge. Turns it back into the inside. Avante Maddox is trying to deal with being blocked. That's not Avante Maddox's strength. Rasul frickin' Douglas, who was originally over Taylor Gabriel, came all the way from the backside of the field in pursuit, cuts down and makes this tackle, which is a super motor play. like He cuts in front of the entire pursuit defense to come up and make this tackle, which I loved. The other thing I loved about Sewell, Mike, was the incompletion to Tariq Cohen. Uh, which I believe was sometime in the second quarter. It was when Cohen was lined up as the uh the third in a in a in a trip set and a th- a tray set three receivers, and he does a little out and up look and he burns Malcolm Jenkins on it a little bit. He gets upfield on Jenkins. Sewell is playing in a cover three. the number one receiver is coming up the field uh you know the big vertical stem. But Sewell's playing with his eyes into the route concept, his eyes into the quarterback, and he sees it. And he calls out to Corey Graham, single high, single high safety, Corey, I'm about to drop my route, and I'm about to go get connected to this thing, <laughs> right? He may have even been in man coverage. I can't find the place, so I can't pull it up, and I don't remember. But anyway, <laughs> so he drops he, – he releases his the stem, coming the vertical stem coming through his area, gives it to Graham, who's late to it, but it doesn't matter. And he flips his hips, and he goes to get back into this Cohen route. And Trubisky should thank his lucky stars he threw an inaccurate ball because an accurate ball is getting picked off by Rasul Douglas. Very, very similar style of process to the Dallas interception for Rasul Douglas. He's got a deep third responsibility, but he's got his eyes in the backfield and he gets to read the route concept in front of him and he gets to play with aggression. And again, This ball is incomplete because it's inaccurate. And Sewell's freaking out on the sideline because he knows if that ball was thrown on time and on location, he's like (laughs) eight inches taller than Tariq Cohen. It's his every day of the week.
1: One last thing. One last play for Sewell Douglas. I want to highlight the technique in his tackling here. Okay. Let me pull up this play here. It is second quarter, 11.47 left to go. This is his tackle solo on Tariq Cohen. What I love about this play is this is exactly how, you know, they have those film sessions on NFL Game Pass with Steve Spagnolo When he talks about a corner coming up to make a play as a tackler, these are his notes. You want to make a tackle like an arrow through snow. Those are his words, and I love that. Wow. Keep, keep it on your inside shoulder. Don't break down. Shorten your stride and sink your tail and strike like an arrow through snow. That's exactly What Rasul and we see it time and time again from arrows through snow.
0: I'm gonna cry. It's so beautiful.
1: (laughs) Well, Ben, the other the other thing I wanted to touch on, we'll move on from Rasul Douglas Love because I mean he definitely. Oh, I didn't even
0: talk about Trubisky and Sullivan. whatever you put over the plate (laughs) for me, I completely ignored. That's my bad. (laughs) Don't
1: worry about it. We know Mitch Trubisky is inaccurate. We saw it. He gave some chances. We dropped them. It's whatever. One one thing, a a fun one. So Ben, I want to talk about this one. Let's turn our pages to quarter one six thirteen. The Bears go tackle eligible. They wham Fletcher Cox, and if you know, and anybody that reads anything on BleedingGreenNation.com knows, because I've written like three articles about wham – I absolutely – a part of me wanted to see this succeed because tackle-eligible wham with motion and then whamming down on Fletcher Cox, like that's a beautiful thing. But Nigel Bradham –
0: Which basically like what Dallas Goddard usually does on the wham play Mike's talking about, they brought in a sixth offensive tackle to do that. And they (laughs) motioned him around because Matt Nagy likes to screw with people. So that's the sort of like heavy hitter we've got going on.
1: That's excessive to run – the whole point of wham is the fact that you're not going to block him with an offensive lineman. You're going to get a size matchup with your offensive lineman and a linebacker and you're going to take – smaller guy and you're going to block the bigger guy with him because of the angle they go with the big 300 plus pounder to weigh in down on Fletcher Cox but Nigel Bradham reads it out and just and, and avoids the block from the. there's some good pre-snap stuff going on there with him and Chris Long but both of them kind of sniff this out
0: I'm so happy you said the pre-snap stuff because I'm 99% sure the second the H-back who is a tackle in the situation <laughs> settled in the sniffer position so we're talking it, it's called a sniffer because he's directly behind the butt of somebody else. That's why it's called that, by the way. Which is just fun fact. Nice. He's like, you know, in a two-point stance behind another dude. So, sniffer at the butt, whatever. <laughs> this keyed trap. This keyed wham for Philadelphia. And so, Chris Long, who's outside of the tight end. Nine technique. Comes inside. Gets right on the inside shoulder of the tight end. Seven technique. What does that do? Well, when Long comes inside to take on the offensive tackle, that tight end is responsible for getting to Nigel Bradham the backer who's behind Chris Long. Right. Because Long has moved his angle in, the tight end who's climbing up to Bradham now has to get around Long. He has to get upfield, past Long, and then get to Bradham. So he's at the wrong angle. And Bradham does exactly what linebackers should do when they're playing against trap. If you see the three-tech in front of you, if you see the interior line in front of you get trapped, go shoot into his gap. Because somebody is coming from the, the outside, to lick you somebody's coming from the outside to pop your head off yep so get upfield get upfield destroy his angle the tight end still gets a little bit of a look on Bradham he's flexible enough and he he glances off the blow to make the tackle Bradham was quoted after the game I think uh, Ruben Frank had I'm not sure of saying man we really keyed into their tendency and Mm. I felt like I knew a few of the plays that they were playing and hey It makes sense. There was a weak zone one where Bradham was there immediately. In this play, Bradham clearly has diagnosed uh, uh, an influence trap based off the action of the H-back. They they had a good understanding of the Bears' offense and what it was going to look like. I'm sure Doug Peterson helped with that. But also, that's fantastic tape study. That's having your defense prepared.
1: You know what's funny? My note reads exactly this. Instincts. But a whole lot of film study went into Bradham's game. That is yeah, exactly I Yeah, there's nothing better know. than
0: the blend, baby. That blend is what counts.
1: Absolutely. So him, Hicks, I thought they had a great day. Obviously, they put in the work in the film room just as we have today. Ben, is there anything else you want to hit uh, before cute. we get out of here?
0: Nigel Bradham is so much better when Jordan Hicks is on the field with him. Yes. Like he's just – when he gets to play Sam, it's just much, much, much better. Bradham, when he was a Mike, when, when Hicks went down last year – was good and and that kind of fell away a little bit this year. Bradham and Hicks on the field together is a great situation. I'm still firmly in the re-sign Hicks camp because we anticipate his cap hit being around 4 million per uh, obviously, the upcoming free agent.
1: What what did we say that one time? I think we said that we'd be comfortable with uh, three-year 12 mil based on his injury Yeah, that, that, that's
0: kind of the ballpark we were talking about. And, yeah. and uh, Jason from over the cap was kind of talking that he expects that to be the 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 ballpark million per figure for Hicks as well. I'm slowly, quickly falling out of the re-sign Ronald Darby camp, which is a camp that I was in to begin the year. And I obviously haven't seen him play in a while. But listen, Yo. <laughs> these young corners look good. Uh, <laughs> and, and to that effect – I don't want to see Brandon Graham gone. Nobody wants to see Brandon Graham gone. But Howie Roseman for general manager of the year, for executive of the year, for one reason and one reason alone: trade a fifth round pick for Michael Bennett. <laughs> I cannot believe that, and it's week 18.
1: Made another splash play every week. Made another splash play. Made seven about every splash film. plays. I know Michael
0: Bennett. And what's <laughs> crazy is like, yo, three no. Here's weeks what's ago, crazy,
1: Ben. Here's what's crazy: that touchdown, that sprint out. With Nick Foles, it's the exact same sprint out I saw in 2012 as a rookie. He won right. the game when he touched down. That game, Michael Bennett had four tackles for a loss and two sacks. He makes a play literally every the game. the
0: Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> right? Unbelievable, but... <laughs> Like three weeks ago, Michael Bennett was was a uh, was an impact player because he was getting great penetration from the three tech against the run. And two weeks ago, he was an impact player because his outside edge rushes were really nicely executed with his cross chop, whatever. And one week ago, he was an impact player because his (laughs) interior rushes and his stunts. Like and this week, it was edge setting against the Bears' constraint plays. Like he was constantly turning plays back inside. He what a Swiss Army knife. He's unbelievably useful. (laughs) Like it's just (laughs) tremendous veteran play. Obviously, the Eagles don't want to lose Chris Long and Brandon Graham in the same season. Long is almost definitely retiring. And then Brandon Graham, uh, potential free agent. It's a really hefty uh, edge market, so you don't know how much a plus-30 guy who's never had a double-digit sack season is going to bring on the market. And if Graham wants to stay home, obviously, Graham's talked about wanting to get his big deal, but this is a tough team to walk away from, so you don't really know. Um, but Michael Bennett's continued uh, presence on the team is really going to mitigate that. And I don't know if you heard Mike... It was for a fifth round pick. Uh, so uh, I want to give out a game ball. Should we give out game balls real quick?
1: We do it every show. It's a tradition.
0: Yes, which we say every time. Also yeah. tradition. <laughs> it's it's a little bit obvious, uh, but I thought this was, in my memory, one of the best games Lane Johnson's played in Midnight Green. Yeah. Absolutely tremendous in terms of... Yeah, Mitchell Schwartz probably deserves the all-pro nod, especially because of statistically what he's looked like. I wrote about Lane Johnson's struggles not really being struggles earlier in the year. I still hold by that.
1: Then he went on a tear after he wrote that article. He read that article. It was like, I believe in myself now. Yeah, let's go.
0: Yeah, I very, very firmly believe that there's no right tackle who's playing better than Lane Johnson. He, Mitchell Schwartz, you know, Bulaga, when he's healthy, might be the same level of player. But Lane Johnson is simply the standard for tackle play. And then especially if you delineate left and right, run blocking, pass blocking on the move, uh, motor, resilience, athleticism, every box you ever want to check. My game ball goes to Lane Johnson.
1: I mean, I could give this to Foles for the game winning drive. I could give it to Golden Tate for starting to prove that he was worth it coming through in big time situations. We would not be here without Trayvon Hester. I'm going to give the game ball to Trayvon Hester just for getting a couple fingers on that thing. I think it's worth it. It saved our season.
0: Hey, listen, as I said uh, yesterday, (laughs) I have never (laughs) once and never will say anything even ambivalent, (laughs) let alone negative. Towards Trayvon Hester, it has been nothing but praise. Here's what's annoying. What I know what's annoying? Is when they first brought him in, I was like Trayvon Hester out of Toledo. I kind of liked him, right? And then he started like getting more snaps, and I was like, we all need to calm down. He's not that good. So <laughs> I was, I honestly was like at first like, oh, I liked Hester out of Toledo. Yeah, I like, went to Oakland, had some impact plays. Like I was there, and then I thought we got too far. Whatever, it's fine. Go Trayvon Hester.
1: Lot long-, long time. Trayvon Hester-Truther, Benjamin Solak here on the Kiston Solak Show. So that's going to do it for the All-22 Film Review Show of the Chicago Bears. The Eagles win, advance to the next round against the New Orleans Saints. It's rematch time. This is a totally different team coming into this game. Doug Peterson spoke about it. I put that press conference up on at the podium. But Ben, if you want to let the gentle listeners know what we have on tap form for the rest of the week and uh, bid them adieu.
0: Hi. We came in as the thirty-fourth podcast in sports and recreation this Monday. We, we set love you. a record with, <laughs> I don't know, about ninety-five thousand listeners today. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like. The response
1: has been incredible. You guys have been awesome. To be thirty-four on the iTunes ranks for sports, I'd like there's no other team brand podcast even close to us. We could not do it without you. We love every single one of you. You guys are definitely all we got, all we need.
0: And 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 simply like when we look into the numbers behind it and we you know, we as we've always said the iTunes algorithm is kind of ridiculous to understand. But when we look into why we get ranked so highly, it simply is a result of the amount of reviews and ratings that we get. The fact that our listeners are so motivated to share with others why they enjoy the podcast and so want awesome. to give it that rating so as to show other prospective listeners that this is a quality podcast that's what does it for us like you know we're not like we produce a good amount of episodes but it's not as much as other shows you know whatever they're not as long we're not bringing on crazy guests that's what it is uh it's your guys's willingness to listen to rate and review and subscribe and so if you have not yet please continue to do so word of mouth tell your friends smoke signals tell your friend who lives too far away for word of mouth there are other ways you can do that but smoke signals are the preferred method
1: let your voice be heard about what type of content you want from your Eagles coverage. You guys have done a great job of it. We extremely appreciate it. Let your voice be heard.
0: I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, that's S O L A K Z, Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL, that's K I S D. New Orleans Saints, Philadelphia Eagles, three preview shows for you two from Kiston Solak, all 22 offense versus defense, all 22 defense versus offense, and then of course Gowan and Stolness. BLG, who correctly predicted the outcome of the game, may he, for he forever reign. Rain. That's why he's the leader. Those will be the preview shows for you then. Until then, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you later this week.
1: We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles fly.
0: Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL Editorial Manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, Lead Flyers Writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-Flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the
1: Flyers. The hockey team of Flyers.